0: You're listening to episode 28 of With Heart and Wonder. I'm Megan. I'm so glad that you're here. And today I am joined by Mariah Stassen. So I met Mariah a few years ago um, in what was at the time the Daily Method Ottawa community where, where we were both teachers. And Mariah brings so much life to everything that she does and every room that she walks into. I'd reached out to Mariah about doing an episode together and asked her if she had anything that she'd like to talk about, and she shared that she would love to talk about Leaps of Faith. So I am really excited for this episode. Mariah shares her story with taking a big move during the period of COVID and and what led up to this decision and, and what transpired. We talk all about manifesting we talk about positive intentions we talk about listening to our hearts and we talk about mindfulness mariah i am so excited to have you here all the way from halifax today the eastern part of canada can you tell everyone just a little bit about you so they can get to know you
1: of course. Well, first of all, thank you so much for having me. It's fun to reconnect, especially after I've moved. And uh, nowadays, especially with everything being online, it's just great to have any opportunity to, you know, connect with people. from.
0: I feel you.
1: Yeah, exactly. So it's great and super fun. So yeah, I'm Mariah, like you said, and I grew up spent my whole life in Ottawa And uh, I was a teacher there for about six years. And then super recently, just about two months ago, I moved all the way to Halifax in the middle of the pandemic, drove by myself here um, to be with my boyfriend who works for the Air Force. And it was the biggest, craziest thing I've ever done, but also completely worth it. Oh,
0: I am really excited. And we're going to chat today a little bit about LEAP. Of faith, and um, we we kind of like set up this interview kind of last minute. Mariah and I know each other from back in the day. Um, We both taught at a bar studio together for a little while and she's just incredible. And I love following you on social media and and everything. You actually make me want to be a kindergarten teacher is what you really do because she has this incredible Instagram account that is um, just like so fun and colorful and like filled with like incredible ideas. And so I know that it was like a really big deal for you to like pick up and move across the country. Um, You had built, like we're starting to build your career in Ottawa and not just in the school, but I know you were doing some work like with the school board and some of the educational conferences as well. Um, And like you said, you lived here your whole life. So tell us a little bit about kind of like the, like, let's start at the beginning and kind of like these big decisions, they usually start with little inklings that we feel inside of ourselves, like that little tug that maybe there's a, a new path we want to take. Like, what was it like to start to hear that voice inside of you and to work through that within yourself? And then also to start to kind of think about telling others. Yeah. So I,
1: I, only last summer, started to really believe and see that manifesting was a real thing. Okay. And I discovered it through going to yoga classes, and they were talking about manifesting and how you have to like think aloud and believe things are going to happen, and then that they will. Obviously, not as simple as that, but that seed had been kind of planted in my head for a while, and I was really craving a change. I had a bad breakup in last... Mm, April, I want to say. And I, was re- I felt really broken after. And that's actually when I started doing yoga was to get me out of that slump and through that discovered how much inner power we have in our life. So that summer I was craving a change and I started toying with the idea of moving. And I wasn't sure where I wanted to move or why I wanted to move. I just felt like I had been in Ottawa my whole life. I'd done the whole dating thing in Ottawa. I had settled into my career really quickly as a French teacher. And I had this overwhelming feeling of, so is this it? This is my life now. I'm a okay. kindergarten teacher and I love it. And I'm happy to do this, but I'm also you know, 28 years old. And is this what I'm doing until I re- retire in you know, 30 years? And that was really kind of paralyzing to me to think that I had just found my life and that was it. So I was curious with moving, but I didn't know
0: where in Canada that would take me. I think that's so interesting because I that like time that you talk about is, I know the like midlife crisis gets a lot of attention, but I think, and from talking with kind of friends and 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 like other people in my life like that time where you are kind of starting to like settle in and start to like lay your roots down and you know when you get a permanent position at at the company or the workplace that you've been hoping for or when you you know buy your house and settle down with your partner like i think there's also kind of this like little i don't know if i want to call it a crisis but like a moment of awakening of exactly what you described where people are like oh so this is my life now. Like there has been so much movement maybe before that in our teenage years. And then especially like as we go through, if we go to university or college um, and then like moving through jobs and moving houses. And I mean, like a lot of people live a lot of different places in their 20s. And and then, you know, as we it kind of progresses and we start to lay down roots, like, it's, it's kind of like sometimes, and I know we've had guests talk about this before on the podcast and in my life too, it's like we were moving so fast and then when we are like, we slow down, like we have to look at what's there and sometimes we want to change. Yeah, so I, I feel like one of the main things
1: was my entire childhood growing up, I, I wanted to be an adult. I just wanted to get to the phase of my life where I had a job and I had a house and I could decorate it and I fell in love and I had my own family and I was waiting for that my entire life. And then I became an adult. First of all, it's not all it's cracked up to be, but (laughs) (laughs) I do love it more than being a kid, I think. I just thrive with that sort of like organizational and control of my life, but I realized that I had worked so hard to get to this place and then maybe that wasn't the place that I thought it was going to be. And it was hard to say that out loud because, so many people in teaching try for years and years and years to get that coveted permanent position. And luckily, because I am a French teacher, and just how my career fell into place, I did settle in really quickly. And so it felt like I was, you know, taking advantage of this quote, unquote, luck by throwing it away, still in air quotes to move on to something else. And it just it's not done is what a lot of people told me, you don't leave your permanent contract, it's not done. But something inside, was saying maybe because I just felt like I could get a job somewhere else or I was willing to work in so many other different fields that that wasn't a good enough reason to stay
0: yeah yeah and what did when you talked about kind of starting your your journey with manifesting and what did that look like for you so I
1: started by writing out goals and posting them above my desk. And sometimes they were really small things that felt big to me, like, you will buy yourself a new computer when that just felt like such a frivolous expense that was so large that I didn't want to do it but look I'm in that
0: right now
1: actually (laughs) (laughs) right it's like you don't want to spend over a thousand dollars on a computer but then every day your computer is falling apart so I had to put it up there and every single day remind myself that it's a crucial tool and that I I need it and that I will be more successful in all of these things and that it's I'm it's okay to spend money on myself, you know, so that was one simple thing. I had other like travel goals up there. And I also had what I call the big scary goals that no one likes to talk about. And I just put them up because who visits my office other than me? No one. So I wrote that I wanted to fall in love. And I wrote that I wanted to move and I wasn't sure what that meant. But basically what happened was anytime I traveled somewhere, I I started looking for apartments. I looked at jobs there. So, started with toronto i went to visit my cousin there and after i had so much fun touring the city and doing all these things i was like, i'm gonna move to toronto and i started looking it up and then quickly realized i was not a toronto girl and i went to calgary and i loved the mountains i loved my time there and while i was still there staying at my friend's apartment i'm googling jobs i'm googling apartments and again all the while i have my main crew in ottawa saying it's not done you don't leave a permanent contract that's not smart it's not reasonable you have a house here what's the plan and I was like I don't know what the plan is the plan is move (laughs) (laughs) then I had this safe this safety plan where I was going to fake move to Nova Scotia this summer so I have a friend here who's been helping me a lot with my business and so my plan was I will fake move to Nova Scotia for this current summer and I will rent an Airbnb and I'll drive down with my dog and I'll have a great summer of self-exploration and yoga on the beach and working on my business and I put that on my bulletin board above my desk and it said fake move to Nova Scotia summer 2020. I and love that you call it, it a fake move. Because <laughs> in my mind I was going to come back in September. Okay. Like, It was like, test it out, move, see how it goes. So that was on there. And I just looked at them every day. And slowly, you know, I bought the computer. I glued it in my little journal of things that have happened. And uh, we we are moving on through life. And then, you know, Christmas comes. And I had Christmas with my family. And they all left around 5 p.m. And I was sitting at my Barhaven house alone. And I was getting a little lonely. And I was like, cool. So I'm by myself. I am almost 29. I have this beautiful house that I do love and that I'm fortunate to own and I have a great job and I love my family and I have a dog and I have all these things. But that big scary thing staring at me every day above my desk is to fall in love and I don't know. I don't know if that's going to happen here is how I felt. I've been I mean I've been using all the dating apps before dating apps were even a thing is how I feel about it and I was getting a bit tired of it. And anyways, I decide to pull up an app that day. I'm swiping through for a bit and it says you have no more matches. No one is in the area that matches you. And I was sitting there and I was like, of course, like, this is ridiculous. I was no one out there for me.
0: Is that a common thing? I've never been on a dating app because Eric and I have been together for, um, I don't know, like eight years now. And so like, they weren't as big of a thing. Like, is that like common that you just like swipe through and and end up with like no one left? Or is that just like, who knows? So I think it it depends on your criteria. So I had pretty,
1: I guess, strict criteria. Okay. Like distance from me and... Well, height's my main one because I'm very tall. So height and all these, like wants kids, you can set all the criteria and it will filter people. Um, And I'm also pretty picky on dating apps. And I just feel like I look at someone's picture and I get a vibe of them and I'll decide. And I rarely, I don't remember which direction it is, swipe right, whatever, on (laughs) (laughs) So it said, there's no one in your area for you. Do you want to expand your search criteria? And- uh, it's, you know, it's Christmas Day. i by myself. I said, fine, expand my criteria. And then the first guy that popped up was Dave. And I opened his profile and it said, I'm looking for something serious, but I'm moving to Halifax at the end of the month. And I was like, I'll move to Halifax. It's fine. So we matched and then we didn't even talk. Where was him. he living at that time? He was also in Ottawa. Okay. Okay he was visiting his parents actually. So he said, Merry Christmas. I said, Merry Christmas. He, I think we maybe exchanged one other pleasantry. And then he said, do you want to meet up tomorrow? And I said, sure. And we stopped talking. And so it was one of those things where it could have gone either way. It could have very easily been canceled because we have no emotional connection or commitment to each other. We've barely talked. It's boxing day. There's an ice storm. There was a lot of factors where it would have been really easy to say no, but I walked into my office to do work. I saw that little post-it and I thought to myself, it's not gonna happen if I don't try. So, you know, he sent me a text, are we still on? I said, yep. I went out to meet him. And I had a rule at the time that my dates were only going to be an hour and a half. And I set this rule because I was finding that I would go on dates and I would get trapped in them for hours and hours and hours, talking to lovely people that I knew I didn't have a connection with, but I can get along with most people. So the date would just keep going on and on. So I had to start setting boundaries with myself of just being honest with people and and saying, you're delightful, but this, this is not going to work out. And then going home. And also that changed my perspective on dating because it no longer seemed like this really long, exhausting commitment. I could go meet someone at seven and be home by eight 30 and still have time to watch shows before bed. So I just found it was more, it felt more sustainable to me.
0: I love that because I have so many friends who are just really genuinely wonderful people and end up on very long dates because yes, I, I think a lot of people can relate to that.
1: Like they're four to six hours long. (laughs) <laughs>
0: and, and you know
1: 20 minutes in it's not going anywhere but then you feel obligated so I set this mental rule of an hour and a half and it was going great i had been on a few dates and that I would abruptly leave after an hour and a half check the watch oh I gotta go let my dog out gotta go you're out of there and it was great but that went out the window when I went out with Dave because I didn't even look at the time and all of a sudden it had been about two hours and 10 minutes and I looked at my watch and then I said Oh, no. He said, what is wrong? And I said, I just broke a rule. And he asked me what my rule was. And I told him. And then he kind of looked at me and said, so are you going to leave? And I said, I guess not. And I stayed longer. And our date ended up being over four hours. And there was just a lot of good signs on the date. You know, another older gentleman walked by who had the same name as him and was talking to us and was, you know, talking about how we looked like we were having so much fun and we were a nice couple and we were like, is that you from the future? Like what's happening? (laughs) So it was great. It was a good date. And then at the end, he, we were lingering in the parking lot and I could tell he didn't know what to do because he knew he was leaving. He knew he was moving away and knew that I was a teacher here and had a very established life. So We were just having our awkward ending first date in the parking lot kind of continuing small talk and then we didn't kiss we went our separate ways to our cars and then as luck would have it there had been an ice storm so we both had to chip off all our cars for an extra five minutes and in that five minutes i decided that i wanted to kiss him and i had this voice of a friend of mine emma in my head who said that guys sometimes are shy and you have to be the one to go and do it. And I'm thinking it's 2020. I'm an empowered woman. I'm going to do what I want. So I went over to his car and I opened the door and I said, I think you should kiss me. And he did. And then we didn't say anything else. And I went back to my car (laughs) and I left. And by the time I got home, he had texted me saying, I know that I'm leaving. I don't know what you want, but I would, I would like to see you again, so I'm going to leave it up to you. And I decided that I did want to see him again. And we started dating long distance right away because he moved uh, that weekend.
0: Oh, my gosh. Yeah. And did you did, did he know in this first kind of little journey of a four-hour date that you were on, did you share your, your big scary goal of like wanting to move? I think I
1: did, yeah, because we were talking about nova scotia and how that had been his first choice posting so he was actually um at a base outside toronto when we first started dating and he was being posted to halifax and so we were comparing stories about halifax and i was talking about my big summer plans of going your there. fake move yeah my fake move and, and all that he's like oh perfect we can hang out and i was like yeah absolutely no problem so then he went back to toronto um, area and it things just felt like they kept working out because i had a conference in toronto you know a couple weeks later so then when i went down to my conference and stayed in a hotel he came and met me and we went on a date then and then he came, drove back through ottawa to get to halifax and we spent a few days together and i actually had strep throat so i was off work for five days so we got all that quality time together and then he moved to halifax and I went to visit him once in February, and that's when we said that we loved each other, which was very exciting and fun on that visit. And then um, in March, he was able to come one last time to visit for my birthday. And then he had to actually come back because now there's rules where they're not allowed to travel in the military. And then we were separated (laughs) from COVID. So we didn't see each other for 70 days and in that time, we had been trying to figure out a plan for next year. And this is how it all escalated is because of the teaching calendar. And I think this is what the leap of faith really comes down to is I had to decide in March if I was going to put in for a leave of absence from my position for next year. And March is early. There's a lot of time left in the school year, but that's how much time they need at human resources to figure everything out and to get everything organized. So. Only dating for a few months, we had to decide if I was going to put in for that leave because I couldn't rescind it after putting it in. So it was a big decision. um, But everyone else was panicking about it way more than me, because to me, the bigger decision was to not move. The bigger decision was to choose to be apart for a whole other year. To me, that felt way crazier than taking a one-year leave of absence that I could return to the next year if I wanted to and going and trying to live in Halifax, which is somewhere I had already wanted to live with in the first place.
0: I really like how you kind of like, flipped that situation on its head and like thinking like thinking about the decision to stay being the bigger decision because like in in so many cases in our life like whatever it is whether it is like leaving a job or like like you know we get caught on like all of the like the risks of what it means to take that leap of faith but then the risks of like not taking the leap of faith and and I think that's like I think most people when they take leaps of faith, like even when I uh, left my job to pursue this, this new kind of career trajectory that, that I have been on for the last few years, like the, it was the same thing. Like it was like, it was like, I, it seems like it would be a bigger risk to stay than it would be to leave. That's how
1: I felt because it felt like I wasn't believing in us by not moving because the risk really is only that it's not going to work out, but that didn't even feel like a possibility. So if I had decided to stay, then to me that meant that I didn't think it was going to work out and I did think it was going to work out. So it didn't make any sense for me to stay and continue to be apart and do long distance for a whole other year. And just continue on with my life that I'd already been
0: kind of hungry for that change from. And the whole time, potentially, like, because that was where your heart was being pulled, like, if you'd stayed, potentially, there would have been that constant, like, nagging of, like, did I make the right choice?
1: Exactly. And I have never once had that feeling since moving. A lot of other people have had that feeling for me. So maybe they've taken the burden from me, but I have never once since moving felt that way about it. And I think that it's a lot of mindset because there's, there's a lot of things that I could have taken as universal signs to not do it. But there was also an equal amount of signs that were universal telling me that I should do it. So I think that your heart is always going to read into the signs that validate what you're feeling. A lot of people would have said like, there's a pandemic, you're not supposed to be together. Literally, the pandemic is keeping you apart. Whereas I saw it as we're doing virtual learning for the last month of school. So I actually get to move a month early and still continue with my job here.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I, uh, it's like, it's like, you know, when people talk about like flipping a coin and like seeing how you want it to land and it's not about how it lands, but how you even like feel about how it lands. Um, and I, I think like that is I use signs a lot in my own life and, and, in my business. Um, and sometimes it's like, it's like actually like saying like, if I see this, that's like a sign for this and just trusting the universe. And then other times it's using things like tarot cards or different things and like seeing what I, what I kind of pick up in it. Um, but it is, it's totally just like a me, it's another way of communicating with ourselves, I think. And so I, yeah, it's like, I love that you said it. It's just kind of that, like, you could it could go either way and and because it went this way like it was an indication of of what your like subconscious and like the deepest parts of you really did want and really did believe
1: yeah and other signs that could have gone either way where I had to sell my house in the one month in the entire Ottawa real estate history market in the past few years that no one was buying houses. So I was, it was only nine days on the market, felt like the longest nine days of my life. And we had one offer come in and it wasn't what we expected it to be, but I didn't even care because we had that, I just needed one offer and we got it and it was in the nick of time to accept the offer at our new house because it was conditional on me selling. And so everything just to me worked out that way. I sold it with more than enough to get the new house in the nick of time and worrying about what I missed out on or what I didn't get just felt so insignificant compared to the happiness that I was gaining from the resolution of the selling of the house and being able to push forward with the move
0: yeah yeah and so what has it been like um i know you've mentioned kind of when it comes to your own career uh like other people having having a lot of kind of trepidation on your behalf and and like yes the ontario teaching market is like notorious for like how how long it can take to get a permanent position, um, in Canada, especially. Um, and I, uh, so I can see that being like a, a big deal and, and moving and like not really knowing what your new kind of teaching life looks like and, and everything like that. Like, how is that kind of felt and unfolded for you? That was,
1: that was maybe one of the hardest things to move from was my, position here, not because it was permanent, but because I did really love my position. I love the Ontario kindergarten program. I think it's so strong. And I know that the Nova Scotia program is not at all similar. And so, so much of my life and my foundational years as an educator has been in the Ontario program. And not only that, but I have built this established business around Ontario kindergarten. It serves other markets, but the market at its core is largely ontario kindergarten teachers and i felt this worry about if i leave my position and i go teach something else will i still be positioned as an expert in the field will i still have my finger on the pulse of what's going on and will i still be passionate and motivated in my job if it's not this one thing that i've always loved so it did feel like a big risk to to move in that way but i also felt like again for me finding love and being in a family is always going to be worth the risk, I guess. So I just had to do it. And when I came here, it was, I didn't have a job lined up. I didn't know what was going to happen. I didn't even know when job positions were going to be opening up. So getting a mortgage was an interesting situation. Oh my
0: gosh. I can only imagine.
1: (laughs) Because they were like, you don't have a job. We can't give you a mortgage. So luckily Dave, took his leap of faith and put his name on the mortgage with me. And I, you know, paid the down payment, but I could not have gotten the mortgage without him because I didn't have a job here. So for him, that was his big leap of faith, sign your name to this house of a girl that you've been dating for, it was like four or five months at the time. And that is scary for a lot of people too, who have never bought a home before or never had that much debt on their name. But he did that and I was able to then move here. And eventually they opened up the job list and I ended up interviewing for the French board here and interviewing completely in French, which was super nerve wracking because I am French second language. So to be interviewing for a Francophone board was just a whole other ball game. But anyways, so they did give me a job here, and it's completely different than anything I've ever taught before. And at first, I was really overwhelmed because I didn't know how I didn't know how or if I could separate my online presence and my online business from my day-to-day teaching because previously they had been so interwoven. But now, can you I- tell
0: people a little bit about what you
1: do online? Yeah, for sure. So on, it started. It started with an Instagram. So I have an Instagram account that I actually just changed the name to because it resonated a lot more strongly with me. I
0: love the new name.
1: Oh, thank you. So now it's called a playful purpose, and I picked that because I know that long-term, big, scary Post-it notes above me on the desk are to have a big family and play with homeschooling, especially for the early years. So I wanted to give myself this platform that had so many different options to it so that no matter what path I took, the network I'm building now would still kind of fit me and grow with me. So I switched the name and now uh, it's, great. I just love it. I feel really free to be myself on there. I share lots of early years learning ideas and I sell resources for French and English teachers. A lot of mindfulness stuff, a lot of outdoor education stuff, and just recently a sensory membership because sensory is my Kind of biggest passion in the classroom and that was the hardest thing for me to leave when I knew I wasn't going to be in kindergarten anymore. Was I didn't know how I would still be fulfilled creatively because creating that content, in those sensory bins was so fulfilling to me. So I just kind of decided one day to try out a membership. and I didn't know if anyone would sign up. I had a, a goal of 30 people and now I have over a hundred people and it's it's honestly everyone just believing in me and taking leaps of faith in me. I feel like this has been such a narrative in my life lately because you know we all have, maybe not we all. A lot of us have imposter syndrome. Where we think, you know, who am I? And I'm like, who am I to make a sensory membership where every month I'm going to sit and record videos talking about why we should do sensory play and how to do it and give ideas and charge people. And I had that that fear, no one's going to want this. You're spending so much time developing this platform that no one's asking for. But then the people were asking for it and they did want it and they did believe in me. And that launch was the wildest 24 hours of my life. And there was so much validation built in that when you feel something in your heart is lighting you up and is calling you and you wanna do it and you know that you're gonna do it well and that you're not gonna burn out and it's really speaking to you that going for it, people are going to receive that really well and they're gonna believe in you and they're going to pick up what you're putting down. So that's how I felt about the membership was just, I took a leap of faith by putting myself out there and every single member took a leap of faith by believing in me and signing up for this platform. A lot of them before it had even been fully developed.
0: I, this story is so inspiring on so many ways. First, because I just like, like I said, I love your Instagram account and I'm not a teacher. It's just like, it's just so filled with, I just think I'm always like, I'm going to have to come back to these one day when I have kids, because there's just so many incredible ideas. Um, And so it's exciting to see, see your growth and you step into your power and strength and knowledge in this whole new way. And then it's also so exciting because uh, I've been sharing a little bit, but I'm in this process of, of creating my own course right now. And it is scary. Like it is scary and it's scary in part because you pour so much time and energy. I think a lot of People sometimes think that like when we do stuff online, you just like turn on your camera and start talking, but that there's like so many layers behind the scenes of having to learn new platforms and research different things. And like so much that goes into like the administration of these types of things. And so I feel you on that, like creating something and not knowing even like, but, but I resonate so deeply with what you said in terms of like with me and and the course I'm working on radical rest rhythms. Like, it's like, it just feels to be coming from that place deep inside me. And so then you just trust, you trust that there are people who are, who are going to like pick up what you're putting down and that they're going to feel your excitement. But I'm so excited for you that it has been so wildly popular. Thank
1: you. Yeah. Honestly, that built in, social acceptance and excitement helps but if you don't feel it in your heart then it's not enough right that's what it took me a long time to get to that place where before I would create resources because I thought they would sell and that's when you get burnt out that's when you get unmade, unmotivated to do things but with this it's completely different I built something that I wanted to exist and that yeah. needed me to get up and work on every day and so then it didn't bother me when it took me four hours to do something I expected to take 10 minutes because the whole time I just felt like this is worth it yeah so then you wake up in the morning and you just feel excited to keep working on it instead of that running to-do list where you're like oh no I need I need to do this and I need to do that and I need to do this other thing so it helps you stay motivated and keep working on it even when those times get rough because a lot of the time you don't even know what you don't know that you need to do to launch these things
0: yeah yeah it's uh yeah it's so much behind the scenes um just like for for fun because like can you tell us more about like sensory and like sensory play mostly just i'm I'm wondering if there's like a few people listening being like what is it that she does exactly
1: (laughs) yeah for sure it's definitely early childhood jargon that not a lot of people would know about or that I would even expect them to know about outside of the education world, especially because when we think of sensory, you probably think of sensory deprivation, first of all, of having your eyes closed or something, or you just think of the five senses. But that's like really what it is all about. It's getting children to explore their five senses in order to engage with learning. And I love it so much because it's developmentally appropriate for our early learners it's super engaging for them and it's actually good for their developing brains and there are so many reasons for this that are extremely research-based and i'm not going to quote them because i'm going to quote them wrong but the research is out there if you want to look it up and there's just so many things that they get out of it so what we mean by sensory play is i'll just keep it really simple you can have a water table so literally a bin filled with water with different size cups and little jewels in it or something and when students or children arrive to play at it, then they're going to be scooping and working on fine motor skills. They're going to be working on math language with specialized vocabulary, like larger or smaller and quantity. And also it's great because there's so many entry points to play. So an entry point is obviously there's a spectrum of development in children, but so many different levels of children can join into sensory play and feel so comfortable and ready to engage that it's a really welcoming environment and you'll often see a lot of pairings of students who are at really different levels and who would not normally be drawn to playing together working collaboratively in problem solving and the ones who are quite verbal can be narrating and asking questions and the ones who are not as comfortable with language yet can be still completely 100% participating by using their hands and by working with the materials in front of them to communicate with those around them that's so neat it's great and it's also inherently so calming i find it pairs beautifully with mindfulness because there is just something with using our hands and that tactile kind of element that is really calming for us and it it makes sense when you think about what i don't know i did this back in the day when i'd go shopping when you touch everything in the store And you just walk around and even when you're like washing your hair, the feeling of touching your hair is really relaxing and washing the dishes or something. Anything that you're using your hands for and exploring those senses is really quite calming. So in the classroom, this is exactly what you want. You just want to have as many opportunities for calm as possible. So when you have children engaged in sensory it just relieves so much of that hyped up energy in the room. And it's a lot more of a pleasant environment for everyone to be in.
0: That's so cool. So I, I think I saw you posted your new teaching and, at this moment in time, it will not be kindergarten. And I know you talked about how the membership is—is you—you know—how are you going to continue to be in this world of like supporting sensory play and supporting teachers and early childhood educators and parents? Um, wow, I think I saw you're teaching like grade four, five, six math or something, which is like yeah. a totally different like like place to be. Um. So have you have you kind of? is that feeling at peace in your heart in terms of like how you're going to marry these things together?
1: Exactly. I wanted to feel connected to the community still. And I also wanted to value my time. And I knew that it wasn't a good use of my time or energy to just be up in my little office creating content for instagram that wasn't being used by any children or wasn't being used by me so i i knew i didn't really want to create sensory bins just to create them but i also knew i kind of did want to create sensory bins just to create them because i loved it so much and that's the platform i've been building is early learning ideas and i felt this pull of like well my day is going to be spent in junior classes now but I, my heart is still over here in early learning. So I tried to find a way to marry them together and to still stay really connected with the early years community. So I just built my own. I (laughs) love this. So yeah, I just made this membership community where I have all of my, you know, early learning people in there and we're collaborating every day and we're talking every day. And I feel, I feel purposeful in my time and intentional in my time that, I, when I create something, it might not be for me, but I know it's directly for these members in my community. And then they post pictures of their children using it. Even now in the summer, they're using them at home and they're saying, you know, I can't believe it. My kid just played for one hour straight with this sensory bin. And that is what keeps fueling me because I can't help but feel like I did that. I gave you that piece. I gave you that part of your day back. So it's been great to establish that community and still feel that connection, even though I've physically left and also professionally left that area for now.
0: For now. Yeah. Yeah. I um, am. This story is like, it's so beautiful because I think it really just like speaks to what happens when we like open ourselves up to like, to like the intuition that's inside of us and the little tugs that we're feeling. And, and when we're in that place, then the creativity does flow, you know, like you are able to create a new membership and, and, it, and the excitement is felt by others. And um, and so I, I think it's just really inspiring in that way. And when it comes to anything you're looking to manifest and call into your life right now, is there anything that that you're that will be going up in your your new office?
1: Yeah, so my my big scary ones up right now in the office are the main professional kind of one for this part of my life is that I really want to, when it's allowed, have a teacher retreat oh. where, yeah, where people are going to come together and spend a few days uh, doing yoga and learning and prepping resources and checking in with teaching mindset and making goals for the year ahead and really bonding as educators and also just as people. So that's, that's
0: incredible.
1: That's a big one for sure. Maybe next summer kind of depends how things go this year with all of the regulations. I also still have up there, you know, that I, I want to get married and I want to have children and explore that kind of homeschooling early years. So those are ones where you can't really know exactly when that's going to happen. But those are the, the big ways I see my life moving forward.
0: And the things you're looking to call in. Exactly. Yeah, and I love the image of, of your office bulletin board. And, and I think there really is such power in us getting clear on the things that we are looking to call in. And I even think sometimes it's like kind of a funny story, but like in many ways, um, like my relationship with Eric, my partner was one that I manifested in sort of getting really clear on like what I wasn't and what I was looking for in a partner. And then when he came along, he like literally ticked all of the boxes. And so it's really, I think it's really powerful for us to do that internal work, to figure out what it is that we want and to listen to those callings. And I'm so grateful for you, for sharing your story today and the leaps of faith you've been taking. And maybe they will inspire some of our listeners to take a leap of faith, even if it's one that is maybe smaller than moving across the country, but one that feels just as scary and meaningful nonetheless.
1: Thank you. I definitely agree. That's what I'm always hoping for is that, You have to just take charge of your life and you know in your heart what you want to do. And if you don't do it, then that's your choice too. But it's not the choice that your heart wants you to make. So follow it. And the worst that's going to happen is it's not going to work out and you'll just go back to the life you were already living.
0: But in that
1: case, it's going to completely work out and change your life and rock you to your core in the best way possible.
0: Well, thank you so much for being here, Marat. Do you want to share um, where people can... Oh, well, you actually, you did share a playful purpose. Um, so yeah, if, if anyone wants to just watch Mariah make sensory bins and look at them and all of their colorful glory, you can go check her out there or get in touch with you in that way, I'm sure.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And if anyone wants to talk more about the kind of fears and self work that I had to do to get to this point of being confident and just taking risks, then I'm happy for you to reach out and talk to me about that too.
0: Amazing. Thank you so much, Mariah. I'm so, so glad that we could connect and I am here cheering you on and so excited to, to see what's next for you.
1: Thank you so much. And I can't wait for your course.
0: That's a wrap on another incredible interview. Thank you so much, Mariah, for being here. And thank you to all of you for joining in. It is always such a pleasure to connect in this way and also to connect off of the podcast as well whether it's on instagram or through my newsletter you can find me it's at meganljohnston on instagram or meganjohnston.com i can't wait until we connect again next episodes come out every tuesday until we meet again keep living with heart and wonder